forward. Hey everybody, welcome to Melrose Sheltering in Place. I'm Nan. And I'm Christopher, and I have rejoined the world of the employed. I'm so excited to report. Yay! And and, uh, the cool thing is, is that I've jumped from being a freelance writer to a professional one. So it can happen, folks. (laughs) <laughs> go for your dreams <laughs> yes exactly um yeah congratulations um, meanwhile my job remains completely bananas <laughs> um we found out friday that the supreme court is going to be so the department of justice filed a lawsuit and the fifth and then a judge stayed the law here in texas for like two days, I think, and then the Fifth Circuit overturned that stay, so the law's back in effect. Sorry, talking about legal stuff is always a beating. And then we appealed to the, or not we, because we are not the Department of Justice, but the Department of Justice appealed to the Supreme Court, and they took up the DOJ's case and our case, which had been kind of sitting in limbo um, for the last few months, so, or like last few months, what the hell, like last, I think basically a month. Um and so they're going to hear arguments, I think, on November 1st. So, yeah. Oh, and for anybody who doesn't know, it's the abortion <laughs> case. <laughs> I feel like everybody, I feel like nobody's listening to this who doesn't know what I'm talking about because it's probably just like the five people who always listen and are our friends. But um, it's the abortion case in Texas. So Well, and hasn't we'll there already been some ridiculousness where they're like, Oh, we're not trying to make it illegal. We're just trying to make it as hard as possible to get one. And then that is actually the whole point of Roe v. Wade, right? Like, Well, and this case in particular is different because like six-week bans and even 12-week bans have always been struck down because because they don't meet the – they are like an undue burden, which is the standard – currently for whether or not an abortion law is um, constitutional is like whether or not it meets an undue burden on people's right to an abortion. But this law was written so that private people are suing each other if they think they broke the law. And technically the state's argument is that that means that the state is not doing it. Therefore it doesn't count. Um, Which is something that should really freak everybody out. To be honest, like if this tactic works, like I can't imagine even conservative people being behind this argument, except, you know, everyone's always so short sighted. They're like, well, if this accomplishes my current goal of trying to outlaw abortion, then I'm fine with it. The problem is like it's a terrible precedent Mm -hmm. to set for other possible laws in the future Um, and here, too. I mean, it's it's bad. You know, obviously, I think abortion should just be legal, but um individuals being able to sue to basically enforce the law is um really bad actually yeah so yeah and it's also like imagine if everything was like that like well you know it's not illegal to burn down somebody else's house unless they can afford a lawyer and sue you over it right like it's just a dumb concept. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of the way that our, if you listen to the podcast, um, you're wrong about. And if you listen to the episode where they talk about the McDonald's hot coffee case, mm. they talk about how like civil litigation is how we've chosen to sort of like in a lot of other countries, basically there's uh, regulatory bodies that regulate different industries. 
And in the United States, the way that we choose to regulate industries is by saying, if you think somebody's done something bad, you can sue them. <laughs> um, and then the lawsuit will enforce the regulation, essentially. So it's kind of already the system when it comes to regulating industry and civil, like civil law. Um, and it's really doesn't work. Right? right. For the reason you just n- mentioned, like who's going to do a lawsuit? Like you have to have money to do a lawsuit. And also like you have to have time to do a lawsuit mm. and you have to be willing to put up with a bunch of nonsense. And then also you're going to let a court decide like whether, you know what I mean? Like it's just a whole, a whole like terrible thing. And it kind of already exists in this country in civil, in civil law. Yeah. So, you know, it's bad. It's done. And we'll see what happens. But, um, you know, we're doing our best to keep giving people abortions um, within the law, within the law, within the law. Nobody's seen me. We're <laughs> on not breaking the law. We are following the law. We don't like it, but we are doing it. So uh, <clears throat> got to make sure I put that disclaimer on there. Yes. Um, but yeah. And yeah, other than that, I was telling you before, but we put our dog to sleep mm. and that's been a sad week. But um our other two dogs are making it a little bit easier. Yeah. So we just have been like spoiling the shit <laughs> out of them. Like legitimately just, I mean, we already spoil our dogs. We are those people. We are totally 100 million percent constantly spoiling our pets. But this week it's been like super extra. Mm. Well, which is, which are the two that you still have? And what was the one who's gone now? So Riley is the one that we put to sleep. She was a boxer lab mix and we had her for three years. Um, We got her when my grandparents went into assisted living. So she was my grandparents dog and then she became our dog and she was our little snuggle bug. She was like always up in the middle of things. And prior to that we had had forever. I mean, we got darkness in, we got darkness before we got married and we got married in 2011. So we've had him for, he's our lab and we've had him since he was like eight months old and and then our other one is mina and she's our little dachshund mutt and darkness like at low-key uh i think darkness is kind of happy that riley's not here anymore (laughs) because he's like because she was the little snuggle bug she was like always up in the middle of everything and he's very independent to a degree like he likes to like lay in his house and you know do his own thing sometimes but he's been getting in the bed more and at first I was like, well, maybe he just knows something is up and he's trying to be sweet. And I was like, no, I think actually he just couldn't really get in the bed <laughs> before. Cause she was always in the middle of everything. Mm. And then Mina was always in the middle of everything. Cause Mina is like, if she, if someone else is getting attention, Mina is going to fight to get more attention than the other dog. Um, so yeah. And we've had Mina for like, Mina's about the same age as Darkness, probably, and we've had her for about this. We got her later than him, but I think we might have gotten her a little bit after we got married. So, yeah. Hmm. We've had them forever. Well, I'm I'm glad you have those two to, you know, keep things nice around your house. Yes, I, um, and I already told Sean, I was like, I am going to make us get a third dog again (laughs) at some point. (laughs) 
Um, I used to just have one. And then when she passed, this was when I was by myself, like living by myself. Um, and when she passed, it was really hard. And I thought, I don't know, like having, having other dogs around when one of them passes on, I feel like does make it kind of easier, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, and I also just think multiples of cats or dogs is a good thing because, you know, they get to have each other instead of just, you know, us paying attention to them. Like I, I will always say there should be two cats rather than one cat in a cat household for sure. Yeah. I will say though, like one time I remember many, many years ago, I went and visited a friend of mine and, um, he was telling me he had a, I think he had whippets. Um, whatever kind of dog he had, it was like very, I don't think they were greyhounds. I think they were whippets if I remember correctly, but it was something like that. Right. Like this very thin, like kind of aristocratic looking dog (laughs) and he and his partner had one of them and then they decided to get another one to be that dog's friend and the and the first one they had never liked the second one and was always irritated that it was there so this can happen where you get a dog like to be friends with your other dog and then like i don't think darkness ever he didn't hate riley but he never seemed like she would kind of like chase him or pull his leg or like you know kind of she would like kind of interact with him and he would just like ignore her (laughs) so um but you know so there's that but i agree with you i think multiples is good so all right well shall we uh jump into the season three finale of Melrose Place. Oh my god. Yes. All right. Let's talk about this bananas ass show. (laughs) I'm really glad. I I say this all the time, but I'm just so glad that season one didn't kill us because everything beyond it is a lot more fun. Yeah, the show really is so different after season one and I mean, yeah, it is um and sometimes i find myself watching it and i'm like why am i still watching this show it feels like it's just like bananas thing bananas thing bananas thing bananas thing but um i don't know like these this episode and then i watched ahead into season four a little bit and it's it's yeah it's it is a banana show but (laughs) it is a fun banana show it is our banana show um so, uh, so let's get into it. This is season finale, The Big Bang Theory. Uh-huh. Awesome name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, considering what happens. And we knew this was going to happen because it's in the un- unauthorized Melrose Place biopic or whatever that we watched on Lifetime. Which was amazing. Yes. <laughs> um, so Sydney visits Michael in prison. After they exchange a little sarcastic banter, Michael pleads for her help getting out. Kimberly goes to work and sees the scary man Henry in her locker door mirror. He assures her she's not losing her mind. He's always been inside her. He says he can't sit by and watch Michael, <laughs> Amanda, and Sydney hurt her. She says she doesn't want to hurt him them, but he assures her he can make her do it. Uh, and like this Henry guy, <laughs> like what an odd choice for her inner demon. Yeah. Right? 
And um, I don't think they actually said the name Henry. I found it on IMDb, but I I got tired of typing out the man in the mirror, so I looked it up. Oh, my God. Um, (laughs) Something in the man in the mirror. Okay. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, I just – I was like, this is the most perplexing thing. Like, I feel like it would be cooler if her internal, like, monologue demon was just, like, a – like a, a version of herself yeah, for sure that was like creepier or meaner i don't know like this whole different man who looks kind of like that dude from uh from twin peaks uh fire walk with me which you know if you've not seen it it won't matter but um yeah i don't get it <laughs> i'm like what is this um, Sydney visits Kimberly at the hospital complaining of pain from stress, but it's really there to pump her for, in- for is really there to pump her for information. Sydney wants to be friends again, but Kimberly blows her off. The mirror man, Henry tells Sydney to kill, oh, sorry. Kills Kimberly, Kimberly to kill Sydney <laughs> with medical scissors. And she almost does, but she drops the scissors and takes her blood pressure instead. Um, Paul tells Matt he misses him and he and his wife, Carol, are meeting with a divorce lawyer that afternoon. He asks Matt to wait for him and Matt says he's not going anywhere. Why? (laughs) I have to imagine that the sex was just so amazing. I just, I'm like, they literally met and how many times have they even had sex? Like once? Like they can't have even really been that involved with each other. So all right, little blurb, like something happened and my microphone stopped. We're back. And all, what I was saying is like, if it's this much drama, this early in your relationship, break up yeah. with them. Do not do this. Like, it is silly nonsense to keep trying to make it happen with this guy that you have had sex with like one time. I don't know. Yeah, it's not worth it. You may think there's nowhere to go but up. But what's really the case is that <laughs> you're you're getting a good look at what the rest of it is going to be like. Yes. And take it from us, kids. Christopher and I are old. So we know we've done this. Well, I've done this. I don't know if you've done this. But I've definitely been, like, kept dating through the drama. Mm. And it never works. It never works. It never works. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I'm glad I stopped when I did. Let me put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, the county sheriff comes to Mancini Designs to close it down and seize everything inside due to foreclosure because she's in debt, even though she got $100,000 from Sydney. I have questions about this. Um, so like, I don't think she owns that building. I think she rents the studio in it, right? Um, and, and even if... Even if they were seizing all of her assets, she's like, but they're going to take my sketches. I don't think they would take her sketches. And even if they were going to, she could, like, make copies of them. Like, it was weird. Yeah, it was really weird. And it didn't make sense either. Like, I feel like she acted like she had no warning. And I don't really think that's how this would go. Like, you know what I mean? I feel like this is, I think, I feel like, the when the cops show up and like forcibly remove you is after you've gotten some other communication. Right. Right. So I don't know. It felt like it did not make sense to me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Dr. Peter Burns, the one who tried to kill Amanda um, surprises Michael 
with a visit in prison and says he'll explain later how he got out of prison himself and that he'll pay Michael's bail. They meet up at the beach house and Peter says he'll help pay the rent there along with his legal fees. He got out of jail after three days for 2,000 hours of community service. And how was he doing community service in jail? And wants Michael hey. to recant his testimony so he can be reinstated as a doctor. Uh, no, so it's he has to do the 2,000 now that he's out. Oh, okay, okay, okay. It's been a second since I watched this episode, yeah. but um, um, yeah. And really quickly, that's a year, by the way. <laughs> a year of work is... Two, yeah. 2080 hours <laughs> that's a lot of hours yeah. when you think about it um and maybe they can even be partners at a new practice in beverly hills mm-hmm. and this sounds like a recipe for extreme shenanigans um michael visits jane at her apartment and she explains that she used the hundred thousand dollars to pay off their creditors but it wasn't it's still it still wasn't enough Amanda shows up to give Jane a bill from D&D and Michael tells her Peter bailed him out um, and is also out. Amanda says to stay away from her. Michael says she'll, he'll sue her for defamation <laughs> of character when the smoke clears. Jane tells Amanda she'll have to get in line if she wants to be paid since Mancini Designs is bankrupt. And Amanda tells her Mackenzie Hart Designs is their hot new client. Jane lines, uh, lights up because Mackenzie Hart was her inspiration. Jane begs Amanda for an introduction, but she refuses. So imagine how bad Mackenzie Hart's stuff is if Jane, <laughs> when, you know, younger Jane was inspired by it. Like, oof. Right. Oh, my God. And then later when we get to actually seeing the building for Mackenzie Hart Designs and that logo, (laughs) the font. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It was such a blast in the early to mid-90s past. That was a beautiful Um, Jane crashes. Richard Hart's. It's like one of those things where I think I like see that font and all I can think of is the colors like teal and mauve. Mm. You know, like everything is teal and mauve. Um, Jane crashes Richard Hart's meeting at D&D and throws Amanda across the hallway so she can ride the elevator with him and show her designs. He's impressed um, by her chutzpah and gives her his card. And he is played by Dermot Mulrooney. No, he's not. Right? That, yes. No, I looked this up. No. Yeah. That was not. Let me. Are you thinking of Dylan McDermott? I didn't realize. I don't think it was either one. I gotta. I gotta look this up now. Melrose Place, season three. Um, I mean, they all kind of look like that, right? Oh wait, not Dermot Mulroney. What's this actor's name? Because I was thinking Dermot Mulroney was Dermot McMillet. Dermot. <laughs> wait, Dylan McDermott. Um, whoops, I clicked the wrong thing. Big Bang Theory. Um, okay, wait. What's this actor's name? Because this actor is in stuff. It was Richard Patrick Hart. Muldoon. <laughs> Patrick Muldoon. That's why my brain was telling me Mulrooney because oh. <laughs> it was Muldoon. Patrick Muldoon. Yeah, that's who it is. So he's in Starship Troopers. Yes, which I just watched recently and is uh, amazing. Yeah, movie. that's a good ass movie. He's also in um, 550 episodes of Days of Our Lives. So, <laughs> um, and he's also still really good friends with Denise Richards. Um, he comes on a couple episodes of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. 
um, because they're really good friends. And he, and his, he's just like hanging out with her. And his second job ever after Who's the Boss was Saved by the Bell. <laughs> oh, that makes total sense. <laughs> um, cool. All right. Well, I'm glad we figured that out because I was like, I knew it was a Mick something or a, do- a Dooney or a Rooney or a Mulrooney or something. Uh, or Muldoon, or whatever it is. All these names sound so familiar. Um, Michael comes to Shooters for an update from Sydney, who tells Kimberly um, tells him Kimberly's staying at Casa Malibu. He gets her to agree to check out her room there. She has a cell phone and calls Kimberly at the hospital from the parking lot to make sure she has time to check out the room, which she easily breaks into via a window. Instead of just turning on the light, she uses a flashlight and looks extra suspicious until she finds a shrine with pictures of everyone from Melrose Place in the mirror and gets a picture. Oh, my God. This <laughs> this was amazing. It was literally like cut up pictures of everybody pasted onto this mirror with like lipstick it looked like was drawn all over it. Yeah, kind of so. like to look like blood, but it, like definitely up close it had like the consistency of lipstick. Um, and yeah, it was, it was crazy. That was good stuff. Like, um, I want it on a t-shirt, that, that thing. Kimberly Shaw is definitely the best thing about this <clears throat> show. Um, Sydney and Michael go to the police who tell them they can't really do anything about photos, uh, Kimberly has that they only know about because they broke in. He then reminds them of all the crimes they've done and kicks them out. <laughs> Um, Matt nearly catches Paul ordering flowers on the phone for his Carol. I'm sorry, that should say his wife, Carol. Oh. Because, you know, that was one of those things where I'm like, I shouldn't say his wife. I need to find her name. Oh, that's right. It's Carol. Uh, Kimberly finds Peter at his community service doctor gig to confront him for bailing Michael out. He admits he has the hots for her and asks her out. Jane interviews with Richard Hart, and he agrees to show Jane's portfolio to Mackenzie. He asks Jane out for dinner that night and says Mackenzie will be there, too, when Jane looks apprehensive. Jane agrees and takes her portfolio, even though Richard is supposed to show it to Mackenzie. (laughs) They all meet (coughs) later at Dominique's, and Mackenzie treats Jane like complete shit. Richard assures her Mackenzie likes her and gives her the job. Paul sends Carol off for family obligation he's supposedly too busy for and runs inside to call Matt. He says Carol moved out and Matt says he's not ready to rush right into a relationship. Uh, Paul says that's fine, but he really needs to see Matt later. Kimberly comes to Peter's house with opera tickets. He says he hates the opera and they bone instead. (laughs) He He heads to the beach house the next morning so he and Michael can get their stories straight. Peter tells Michael he's dating Kimberly on his way out. Um, Richard asks Jane to review some designs at the office. Okay, first of all, can I just say that, like, the number of times I have to hear the word designs, you know when, like, you hear a word so many times, it starts to sound weird? Mm-hmm. Like, this show, like, they keep, they every every scene with these people, they say the word designs, like, 75 times. <laughs> my designs, my designs. And it kind of starts to weird me out. I don't know. It doesn't help that it's Jane saying it so much, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, Richard asks Jane to review some designs at the office. 
and she finds them tired and unattractive. Turns out they're McKinsey's, and Richard hired Jane to re-energize their line. <sighs> oh, you know what was funny to me, too? Is over that dinner, Mackenzie Hart, like, looked at Jane's outfit she was wearing, and she was like, monochromatic is out. And then the very next day, Mackenzie, like, walks into the office with Richard, and she's wearing a monochromatic suit, <laughs> like a powder blue suit. I wonder if that was, if they were, if, if, if that was, like, on purpose to show that she really does respect what Jane does, even though she treats her like shit, or if it's just a coincidence. Yeah, like she's just treating her like shit because she's jealous. I don't know, though, because this show is not usually that smart. Yeah. Like, it could also just be, like, a random, you know, how, like, they just seem to say and do things, and there's no rhyme or reason to it sometimes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, Jane's worried that about Mackenzie getting all the credit for her work, and he says he'll make way more money as an anon. She'll make way more money as an anonymous designer than she did with her own label. Um, he says they'll talk about it over dinner uh, about Mackenzie, without Mackenzie. Oops, sorry about that. Oh. Uh, it's back. <laughs> okay. Um. And uh, afterward, he walks her home and she kisses him after she invites him in. And he says, no, he tries to leave. But she says he deserves to be with a woman his own age and pulls him inside. Um, Which I love because it was just like the day before that Jane was like, he's asking me to dinner. And then (laughs) and now she like. throws herself at him um i guess once the ink is signed on the deal you know totally um peter surprises kimberly at the hospital to ask her to the beverly hills physicians association (laughs) annual cocktail party she agrees and watches him walk away in in the car's rearview mirror until henry the mirror man interrupts she says she'll kill herself to get rid of henry and goes speeding off then naively believe she's gotten rid of him just by making the threat. <laughs> well, and also by driving crazy. Because, yeah. like, she makes the threat, and then she's, like, driving, like, driving like she's in a car chase, but she's just by herself. And then she, like, comes to a speeding halt and is like, that'll show him. Yeah. I don't know. It was so weird. It was really funny. Yeah, that was goofy as hell. I don't know how she thought that would work, but. um, Mackenzie comes to Richard's <clears throat> office to accuse him of sleeping with Jane. Um, he lies and says he did it, <laughs> but points out it'd be okay if he did. It, it would be okay if he had, since they agreed they could see other people. And I feel like this is the first time we find out that they were married and divorced. Like this whole time I was wondering why they had the same last name. And I feel like it did not get mentioned earlier, um, but maybe I missed it. I don't even know that they are divorced. Oh, right. I, fi- I think it's found out that they haven't signed the papers yet, right. but they're, gonna get a divorce or something but this is the first moment we find out they're married and the whole time i was confused because it was mckenzie hart designs and then his name was richard hart and i guess i just was like i i get i i don't know like it was kind of funny to me (laughs) like i feel like they didn't say that they were married um and he says that he and mckenzie are just friends now oh wait he assures her he still has feelings for her, but his face says otherwise when they kiss. Jane sees them kissing through the blinds and comes by later to ask about it. He says he and Mackenzie are just friends now. 
and he has to keep her happy because his reputation is tied to her name. Jane says she won't play the other woman, especially since Richard's not married. Though it's not clear he's divorced. Yeah, this whole thing is weird. Yeah. Right? Like, they have the same last name. And so then I'm like, well, why did Jane just assume that he was single if it was... It just... Nothing about this kind of adds all the way up. Yeah. Um, I feel like maybe um, some of the dialogue might have been cut for time or something. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, we're missing pieces, for sure. Uh, Matt comes to Paul's for Chinese takeout and they make plans for Matt to cook next time. Supposedly movers will be by at some point for Carol's stuff. Kimberly and Peter arrive at the cocktail party and she's head over heels in love with him. Michael and Sydney interrupt as they kiss, sending Kimberly into an emotional tailspin. She heads to the bathroom and Henry the Mirror Man (laughs) appears, of course, and Sydney walks in as Kimberly tells him uh, she'll kill Michael, Sydney, and Amanda. (laughs) She's just like standing in a public restroom, looking in the mirror, going like, I'm going to kill them all. I'm going to do it. I'm going to kill them all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that brings us to the rest of the gang. Um, Jake comes to Shooters to tell Jesse to leave. Um, a little reminder that Jake was hospitalized and Jesse took it upon himself to run shooters until he got better so that there would be a business for him to return to. Jesse says if he leaves now, they are no longer brothers. And Jake says that works for him. Jesse hands over the keys and walks out. Billy and Brooke visit her dad, Haley, hot Haley, (laughs) to let him know that they're engaged Billy even got a haircut for the occasion. He still looks terrible, but he has a haircut at least. (laughs) Haley doesn't even mention that she already had a fiance that he picked. And he is a little shocked because they want to get married the following Saturday. He privately expresses some concerns about Billy's potential, but Brooke says that she loves him and that will never change. Jesse's not hungry for dinner, even though Joe bought a cookbook and made pasta sauce from scratch. Um, And that's one of those things about the show that made me realize, whoa, remember when you couldn't just get on the internet and get a recipe? Like, you had to buy a book. Or, (laughs) Or go to the library and get one. Like, it's a different life. She assures him that Shooters isn't the only game in town and says she'll help him find something new. So he gets his appetite back and heads to the candle table that she set up. (laughs) Allison happens to call from Hong Kong and Joe is shocked to learn that Billy broke it off with her. Jesse grabs the phone and tells Allison Joe will have to get back to her because their dinner's getting cold. He says it's his time with Joe and he won't share it. And Joe relents for some reason. That was a bad sign, folks. Yeah. Billy and Brooke arrive home from jogging and Joe catches them on the stone walkway and it somehow sounds exactly like plywood. (laughs) She tells him that Allison still loves him and he says he's marrying Brooke on Saturday. A British dude named Ian introduces himself to Allison at their AA meeting and reminds her that they work together. He agrees to be her sponsor. And um, 
bad scene, yeah. folks. <laughs> and then this got me wondering. I didn't look it up, um, mainly because I thought you might just know. To, is AA a completely worldwide organization, or? Uh, yeah, yes, it is. Okay. Um, yeah, definitely. There's yeah, there's groups all over the world, um, and uh. So this did not surprise me that they had a meeting, especially like, I mean, anywhere too. I mean, even if it wasn't worldwide, which it is like, I would assume that, you know, if I was uh, an American working in another country, I would probably try to put together a meeting of any other like English speakers, expats, you know, we're also working in that country and might need a meeting. Um, But yeah, right on. Um, Allison gets Amanda on the phone at D and D when she's actually calling to try to get a hold of Brooke and Amanda tells her that she and Billy are getting married and that she's the maid of honor. And that was a very Amanda thing to do. <laughs> um, Billy comes to shooters for a beer and tells Jake that he's getting married and asks him to be his best man. And Jake agrees. So I guess they're really truly friends again, which is great. Um, Allison tells Ian about Billy and he says that she should fly to LA. <laughs> she worries about taking the time off, but Ian says Haley is a huge fan of hers. Allison doesn't understand, and he explains that her job was created just for her. She's actually the first VP of marketing. And that's when Allison realizes that something is up. She calls Haley personally to resign, which is very drastic. I was kind of like, man, if somebody, like, look, I know I don't like Billy, so, you know, I mean, whatever. But I'm like, man, if somebody created a fake-ass VP job for me in another country, like, where I could just, like, chill Mm -hmm. and make good bucks, and I don't know, I might kind of be like, wait a minute, should I maybe just get over my ex-boyfriend and (laughs) move on? Yeah. Stick with this fake-ass job? I don't know. It sounds pretty sweet. I... (sighs) I don't think that Allison is worried enough about having a job. <laughs> like, I, Oh yeah. Yeah. She doesn't ever seem too concerned about like the actual stability of needing a job. Yeah. And you know, that's pretty important, especially when you don't have a roommate anymore and then you move to another country, but somehow still keep your own apartment. I don't know. <laughs> so Jesse takes Joe to a makeout point and if, uh, people don't understand what I mean. It's like in the movies where people drive up to a scenic overlook and the lights of the city are below. And it's understood that people who drive up there might have sex in the car. And in some movies, like there are several cars with people having sex in them. Um, it's one of those examples that I like to cite often about um, heterosexual privilege because um, that's the kind of thing that when gay people do it, it's seen as very subversive and um, bad and illegal. But uh, we kind of assume that, um, you know, men and women get to do it with um, little to no consequence. But anyway, they, they go to a makeout point and rather than popping a boner, he pops the news that he got a big construction job. <laughs> And he pops the question. He asks her to marry him. She laughs it off, thinking it's a joke, but then he gets super mean and manipulative about it. Oops. This guy, man, he sucks. Yeah. 
Um, so Haley calls Brooke at D&D to warn that Allison is on the way back. He says that they'll keep Billy hidden until the wedding so Allison can't interfere. And Amanda walks up and Brooke learns that it was her who told Allison. Um, and I'm not sure why she didn't start a little fight right then. That would have been awesome. I guess it's because Billy walked up and Brooke asks him to head to the mansion. So Joe finds Jesse at his construction site to chew him out for never coming home the night before. He sort of apologizes and says they'll talk that night. And so she leaves after giving him a huge lipstick print on his cheek. Allison's flight is delayed due to mechanical difficulties and the announcer ominously says that the passengers are free to enjoy the first class lounge. Did you like get the feeling that I this whole time when this scene was happening I was like did Brooks dad literally like call and manipulate it to where the plane got detained? I don't oh. know. Like <laughs> that was something that crossed my mind, but I feel like they would have eventually told us if that's what happened. Yeah, that but. didn't even occur to me, but um, yeah, wouldn't that be impressive if he had done that? Because <laughs> he definitely, like, you know, Brooke was worried that she was going to come back or whatever yeah. and try to stop it. So, I don't know. That was a thought that I had, but it never really, like, panned out. Well, and it's so funny since, you know... Because they have that mansion, they're obviously going to use it for the wedding. So they have to be aware that Allison would know exactly where to go. But heaven forbid they just hire security, right? Right. <laughs> like they could just give the, the security one of Allison's headshots that are so common on this show. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, so fast forward to the wedding day, which is, I believe... The very next day. Yeah, for sure it is. So Billy wakes Brooke up on their wedding day and he assures her that he loves her and is marrying her for the right reasons. Because when something is true, you definitely have to keep saying it, right? Um, so. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's kind of like also like, what I, yeah. <laughs> um, so elsewhere at a hearing, Michael testifies that actually in spite of what he said before, Peter totally did the right thing and was not trying to kill Amanda after all. <laughs> Amanda testifies that she was stabbed with a hypodermic needle, nearly cut open and treated negligently. And if Peter is reinstated, she'll sue every member of the board for reckless endangerment. She leaves for the wedding and finds Kimberly and Peter kissing in the hallway. Billy greets Jane and Richard as they arrive at the wedding. And Jake arrives with Amanda, who makes a beeline for Jane to congratulate her for landing Richard. <laughs> Billy thanks Haley for paying for the wedding. And Haley tells Billy that he expects him to make Brooke extra happy. Then he threatens to bounce him from VP to street sweeper if he ever hurts Brooke. Billy threatens him back and Haley's actually impressed. Matt is not at the wedding for some reason. I didn't get that. Did you like he's friends with everybody, but he's. Oh yeah. I didn't even notice. <laughs> How did I not notice that? 
I think I was too busy thinking about, like, it was crazy to me that they were able to get that many people to a wedding on, like, why did they have, like, a week to plan the, like. Uh, like, three days, I think. Yeah, it was some bananas amount of time. And I'm like, y'all, if they're friends with, like, like, even if you plan your wedding months and months and months in advance, there's going to be some people who can't make it because of scheduling conflicts. Like, the the idea that you could turn around a wedding on three days and have this many people at your fucking wedding is crazy. Yeah. Like, everybody would be... Like, you couldn't even mail out the, our, the invitations. <laughs> no, you would have had to call all those people on the phone. And they would all say, fuck off, I have plans. <laughs> It's like impossible. This is absolutely impossible. Yeah. It is truly impossible. Yeah. Uh, but that's what we love about Melrose Place. <laughs> like when they said they had three days to plan a wedding and Brooke was like, I don't care. I just want to get married. I figured it was going to be teeny weeny. There were going to be like three people there. Uh, no, it's a big mansion event. Uh, but I guess when you live in a place like that, you can just do that, right? <laughs> I mean, getting the space, sure, but I still mm-hmm. just stand by. There's no way you could get that many people at your wedding yeah, that true. time. There's no way. Uh, unless almost all those people were afraid of being fired by Haley. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. If they were like all employees or something, yeah. maybe. So um, Matt is not at that wedding for some reason. And Paul asks him <laughs> to head to his house early to make dinner. And he assures him that the alarm is not set. Kimberly and Peter head to his house for some sex on the sofa, but are interrupted by the phone. It's the medical board and he gets to keep his license. Thanks to Michael's help. Kimberly wants that bone job on the couch, but Peter wants to leave so he can get to work on getting reinstated. Um, And uh, she's rightly pissed. Like um, you could take, 20 30 minutes to do what you said you were going to do before you can start plotting with michael like you got to put out dude um (laughs) yeah there's really no reason it's not like it takes that long yeah especially like if she's asking for him like what's he gonna do like yeah (laughs) um so uh sydney spots her leaving and reports back to michael and then meanwhile, Sydney overhears Peter calling Amanda. And then Henry appears in the window reflection and says, it's time for her to kill everyone. <laughs> so um, I was wrong. I thought for sure Allison was going to arrive in Los Angeles completely wasted because they told them that they could use the first class lounge. But she arrives, not drunk, Um and uh, meanwhile matt opens the door at paul's house and discovers that the alarm is indeed on and instead of leaving like a smart person he tries calling paul and then he finds carol's dead body and somehow the police are already there and they arrest matt for the murder of his lover's wife (laughs) uh jesse comes home and proposes to joe again and accuses her of thinking he stole the engagement ring when she's surprised by its size. She suggests that they slow things down and he flies off the handle, punches her in the face and tries to force the ring on her finger. And he forces his way into her room and beats her to the floor and then says to clean up the place while he goes back to work. And also the room that he 
chase her into, I think, was the bathroom. And, like, the door closes. And there's, like, all this crashing sounds for a really long time. Yeah. And I just kept thinking, like, how many things in there are there to even crash? Is it, like... Is it that it's her, her dark room, maybe? I don't know. Is it Maybe? I don't know. But it was really... It was, it was like... It was a lot. It was a lot. It was, it was weird. It was... Because it's not that big of a room. So even if there was dark room stuff... Like on shelves, like you would assume, I would think that like one, like one or two forceful things and it's all down. Yeah. You know, like it just seemed like there was way more crashing happening than there was even like any stuff there. But yeah, a lot of, a lot of unjustifiable um, sound effects work being done here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Allison manages to interrupt the wedding and tells Billy that Brooke must have rewritten her letter. She begs Billy not to go through with it and says that he's the only man she's ever loved. But he tells her to leave. Um, maybe she should have just gotten married on their wedding day. I don't know. Uh, Jane follows Allison out and offers her a ride. But Allison says that she'd rather walk than accept a ride from a traitor like her. Um, and I didn't understand what she was so mad about. Was it just that she was there? Yeah, I don't know. That was what I thought because like, when because jane did make some comment like i'm billy's friend too like earlier in the episode Mm. i don't know i think it was just because she was there which i don't know i guess in the moment i could see being like upset about that and then eventually like logic would kick in it would be like well it makes sense that she was there yeah but (laughs) i don't know but uh right then the crowd erupts in applause as brooke and billy kiss So the newlyweds head to the limo and Brooke tells Haley to keep Allison away from their honeymoon. Um, Not even sure how Allison could possibly find out where they're going, but. um, (laughs) uh, And speaking of which, Billy realizes that he left the tickets to Hawaii back at Melrose Place. So they. This really was the time, by the way, where like I remember when I was a lot, like when I was a kid around this time, and I definitely thought my honeymoon would be in Hawaii. Mm. Like that is like the only place people ever went on their honeymoon. Yeah, for sure. In 1994. Like my parents um, d- couldn't really afford a real honeymoon, um, so they just kind of did like a road trip um, to Colorado and stuff. But when, but they eventually had like a chance to go to Hawaii. And, like, of course, it's, like, referred to as, like, the honeymoon they never had or whatever, right? Right, yeah. Um, I still have the little stuffed elephant that's made out of maps of Hawaii that they brought back for me. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, they go back to Melrose Place to pick them up. And then they, um, you know, since they're there anyway and have a little time to kill, they quickly consummate their marriage at Billy's apartment. Um, Sydney sees Kimberly arrive at Melrose place with huge gas canisters and follows her to the laundry room instead of calling the police. Um, Kimberly has dynamite too. And she's taping a few pieces to each can canister when Sydney confronts her and Kimberly knocks her out. So a messenger brings a bottle of something with a note that's supposedly from Amanda. Um, asking her to meet him i'm sorry asking him to meet her who is that bottle for that was for uh 
who came looking for Amanda? Was it Paul? I don't know. We'll figure it out. Uh, to meet her at Melrose Place at six o'clock. The police questioned Matt about Carol's murder and... Oh, so it wasn't Paul. It was Peter. The police questioned Matt about Carol's murder and his involvement with Paul. He admits they were lovers. And the detective tells him that Paul and Carol had filed a complaint against him for stalking and harassment. Um, Why the police never told uh, Matt about that is a mystery. Uh, Paul bursts in, pretending to be distraught over Carol and lunges at Matt before giving a big speech and being dragged out. Sydney wakes up tied and gagged just as Kimberly arrives and explains her firebomb plot. The laundry room is first, then Allison's apartment, then Matt's, and finally Amanda's. And threatening her with a blowtorch, uh, Kimberly makes Sydney call Michael and summon him to Melrose Place. Peter arrives just before Amanda and Jake do, but before they can talk about it, Joe crawls out of her apartment gasping for help. Peter attends to her while Amanda calls 911. Jake leaves to find Jesse and beat him up. Allison grabs a bottle of vodka that she bought on the way home just in time to see Billy and Brooke head upstairs and takes a swig. And I had the thought that I bet it was from the duty-free store at the airport. Um, <laughs> uh, Jake arrives at the construction site and punches Jesse, who says it's none of his business. They go at it, and Jesse confesses that he hired the robbery dude to kill Jake. Jake tackles him, and they fall off the side of the building in slow motion. It was amazing. Yeah, I loved it. Um, and finally, Michael finds Sydney in the laundry room, and Kimberly tries to knock him out. They struggle, and Kimberly's knocked out. And Michael and Sydney run to warn everybody without grabbing the remote control for the bomb for some reason. <laughs> Allison just turns up her music instead of answering the door because she's drunk and mad. Mackenzie arrives and calls Jane a whore just in time for Kimberly to emerge from the laundry room and detonate the bombs, which unfortunately they do not show. I was so pissed off because the... Um, unauthorized Melrose Place story from Lifetime made it look like the explosions are where the episode ends. But no, right. we don't see that. We do see something that I've seen in GIF form many, many times, which is uh, Kimberly's face lit up by the little red lights on the remote. Um, that's a very iconic little image of her face. But yeah, I, w- I was very let down. <laughs> <laughs> i will say though they kind of like set up those last two scenes as sort of the perfect cliffhanger like yeah. you literally see jake and jesse flying through the air you don't even see them hit the ground yeah and then kimberly's like okay i'm pressing that button you know whatever <laughs> yeah so it was good um it was it was quite the nice little like cliffhanger yeah. situation um yeah i mean again kimberly shaw really is carrying this entire show um (laughs) like does her back hurt from carrying everything yeah i mean like everything she does is the best part of the show um and uh yeah i think um yeah this this explosion at the end is um 
truly bananas. I got to hand it to Paul for figuring out a way to not only get laid, but also kill his wife and blame somebody else. It just seems like so much effort when you could just like get a divorce or something. Like I need them to explain to me why this is the like, is she worth a bunch of money? Like what? You know what I mean? Like, I don't understand. He would lose half of everything he had probably. So, yeah, I mean, good point. I just I'm always like men will really do anything, including having like their wives like murdered and setting somebody else up rather than get a divorce yeah. like just get a divorce homie it's gonna be okay like <laughs> you're still gonna be fine <laughs> even if she takes half your shit you're still gonna be okay and then nobody's dead and in jail but um sure <laughs> this is this makes perfect sense Yeah, I don't know. It's so why like yeah, I just I have so many questions about that plot line. Like so many questions. Well, and my question is definitely about Jane and Richard because <clears throat> I would have assumed if I were her that Richard and Mackenzie were married, but without being told otherwise, she jumped his bones. <laughs> Right. And then later was like, I won't be the other woman. And it's like, you like you, but that's exactly what you did. Like with him. I mean, it's fine to, I, I'm not like no slut shaming here, but like that is kind of exactly what you did. And you, I like, I don't know. It just, again, it's the thing about this show is that they don't, there's not, you can tell they're not really thinking about those continuity questions or like motivation questions or character questions like it's kind of like how amanda like one minute she's having a change of heart and is going to be a great person (laughs) and and is actually capable of it it's not fake you know like she'll do some nice things and then she'll just be like the most conniving person and like do shit to completely fuck someone's whole life up you know yeah and like, and I mean, obviously those things can exist within the same person, but the degrees in this show are completely off the charts, you know? For sure. Like everyone's got some good, everyone's got some bad, everyone's got some fucked up shit they do, like even if they do nice things, but it's just sort of like the levels to which all this stuff vacillates <laughs> is completely bananas. Well, season three, that was a a wild ride. A wild ride indeed. Thank goodness they managed to secure Kimberly. Because, you know, that wasn't, I don't think, I think when they, uh, according to Tej at uh, Melrose Place cast, the reason that she was gone for a while, um, you know, uh, in a coma in Cleveland, was that she had other obligations and she couldn't just stay. So I'm glad that, um, you know, Melrose Place was able to secure her for more because it was definitely the right thing. I think that they would have relied far too hard on Amanda if she was not around. Yeah, yeah. No, Kimberly is definitely, like, the best thing about this show (laughs) Um, and drives, like, all the best plot lines. I wonder how much longer she's going to be supposedly wearing a wig because hair does grow back but I, although there, there's the scar but is she shaving the rest of it i don't know 
I don't know. Like, I kind of, I mean, I, they haven't shown the wig come off in a while. So I just kind of, I just, I had a thought about that while I was watching th- this episode, too. I was like, oh, maybe this is just, like, supposed to be her real hair now. <laughs> I don't know. I guess we just have to wait until the next time they mention it. <laughs> so, Excuse me. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, but this was a good, this was a good season finale. Uh. <laughs> all right well Jesus anything Saturday. else anybody needs to know about i um i've actually been much busier than usual so i um I, i'm kind of glad that we switched to the monthly recording because um i do need the time now <laughs> yeah i definitely like yeah have been super busy so it's yeah it's good that we're doing monthly recordings yeah, so we're here for y'all. You just have to be patient and really want it. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, since I can't seem to post um, these things on time anyway, it's kind of <laughs> always a crapshoot no matter what. So, <laughs> Well, I don't, I don't know why you're saying on time. We don't have a schedule already. <laughs> I mean, it's true. It's just like I feel like if we were professional, we would, like, record, and then I would do the thing, and then on a certain day – you know how, like, a lot of podcasts is, like – Tuesday is the day that a new episode comes out. Yeah. Like I guess a lot of episodes I guess a lot of podcasts I feel like some podcasts I follow definitely even though they are more professional than we are, they still don't have like a set posting schedule. Oh. Um but yeah, I uh I you know, whatever. Sure. We're doing this for fun. <laughs> yeah. So who cares? Yeah. <laughs> we don't want to make it not fun by I mean, you know. by having like rules and shit. Yeah, Ooh, forget that. I don't like that. <laughs> um, cool. Well, uh, hope y'all enjoyed the show. Follow us at Melrose Sheltering a Place on Instagram. That's the place. And um, until next time. Bye. Bye.